We have come to a unique moment in modern history, a great pause, an opportunity to be still and listen, a moment to step back and observe our usual frenzied pace of life and the numbing required to maintain it, a moment to awake to the possibility of a new way to live, a way of freedom and ease that can only come by awakening to the truth of why we numb and hurry, a way of sharing the load with the one who makes the burden light and the joy deep, the waking way. So Benjamin and I have been talking and praying a lot about the next series for Element. You know, what What do we do right now in the midst of a pandemic? Um, you know, we were headed to Easter, and now what? Now what? Um, what is God saying to us? What is God teaching us right now in this cultural moment? And we've had a lot of great options on the table for series to do here at Element. Um, we have some really exciting ones coming up. We have one about wisdom coming up that's going to be so good. I cannot wait. Um, and we've got another one about the joy of the Lord being our strength, which, again, is going to be so fantastic. But we were just really praying that God would guide us to the right thing to talk about right now in this moment. And we realize that this is a unique moment right now, not just in the culture of the world, but specifically for us elementers. He elementers, us elementers. Um, because when we're here at Element, you know, one of our core values here at Element is ownership, right? So... All of you guys, when you come to the warehouse on a Sunday, you got stuff to do, right? We all got, we're either with kids or greeting or whatever it is that we're doing here at Element. There's a lot of Sundays where we're busy doing other things, right? And so usually one, we usually all of us have to miss at least one, if not more, of a message in a series. Now, of course, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast, but it's not quite the same as like experiencing it together, right? And we realize this series might be like the one and only chance where all elementers at least have the possibility of experiencing it together, every single message. So it just like felt even more important, like what are we going to talk about right now? Um, and as you've seen from the bumper, this is a very timely series. Um, it was actually on our docket long before the pandemic hit, um, which makes it all the more exciting to talk about right now um, because... We are in a bit of a pause right now. So it's very timely. And this week, Benjamin and I got an email from the director of Exponential, which is a um, kind of a church planting organization. Um, and we went to a conference for Exponential um, a month or two ago, more than a month ago, because we've been in quarantine for more than a month. A couple months ago, we went to a conference. And, um, you know, when I saw this email come through, I braced myself a little bit, like, because I get a lot of pastor emails these days of like, everyone, here's all the things that you need to do. And you need to be thinking about this and this and this. And you need to like figure out your finances. And you need to figure out your live stream. And here's a bunch of graphics you can use. And you need to be figuring out how to care for your people. Like there's, and it's good. This is good to have all this advice coming in. But I braced myself to just think like, okay, there's going to be more ideas coming at me. And I'm going to absorb them and do the things, right? But I was like delightfully surprised by this email because this email validated all of those things that are happening and the importance of all those things. Of course, we need to be like really focusing on how we can care for our people right now when we can't see them. We need to be really focusing on how do we be the hands and feet of Jesus in our city when we 
can't really leave our houses for too many reasons. Um, we need to be focused on how to pay our rent. Like all of those things are important. But then he said something really important. He said that perhaps our greatest need right now is to be focused more on the being and the becoming than it is on the doing. And even though all of those doing things are important, our focus needs to be on the things that we are sure of instead of the things that we're not sure of. And it needs to be focused on the being and the becoming because we can't do enough to become, right? Our, our doing flows from our being, not the other way around, right? And so from that place, from that place of let's put a pause on the doing for a moment. We've, we've been doing things and we will continue to do things. But let's turn our attention really specifically to the being and the becoming, because from that place, our doing will flow. And from that place, we will have the most important life-giving connection with the Father, right? And from that place, everything is good and beautiful. So we're going to pick up this conversation about awake, awake, because our becoming happens when we experience this process of awakening. So this is the series. If we were going to pick one thing to talk to you guys about Element and our friends and our family and those of you guys joining us maybe for the first time, if there was one conversation that we wanted to have in the midst of this specific historical and cultural context, it's this one. Awake. Awake. So stick with us for these four weeks of this conversation because it's really important and I think it's going to be really encouraging, really, really good for all of us, okay? And I want to say hi to our kids really quick. I know that our e-kids um, jump in with their parents to sit in on the gatherings. And um, we try to include you guys in that as much as we can. So I just wanted to say a specific hello to you guys. Tell you it was so good to be with you on Wednesday night um, for our e-kids Zoom meeting. And we'll definitely be doing that next Wednesday. Kids, I did not make you a handout this week because this conversation didn't lend itself really well to that. Um, but what I would love for you guys to do is while you're kind of listening in the background um, to what we're going to talk about this morning, I would like to invite you to think about this and either make a list or draw a picture about this. I would like you guys to think about something that you hope doesn't change after this pandemic is over. So something that's happened during this quarantine that's been good that you hope doesn't change, I would like you to draw a picture or make a note of that. And then... I would like you to think about something that you hope does change after the quarantine is over, okay? And draw a picture and make a note of that. And then you can talk to your parents about it afterwards because we're going to kind of be talking about that stuff too, okay? And we love you guys very much and we'll, we will talk specifically to the kids on Wednesday. All right, awake. I finished reading a book uh, right before this whole pandemic hit. Like literally, I posted on Facebook about it. I looked, it was like, three days before the first wave of like, what's happening? Oh, it's a pandemic. I posted about this book. So I like just had finished it. And it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I highly recommend it. Um, but when I first heard about this book, the title made me very grumpy. It made me very grumpy. It made me a little bit uncomfortable. It just sounded, I just was like, ew, that sounds hard. That sounds unnecessary. Like of all the things we're going to eliminate, we're going to write a book about eliminating hurry. Uh, that sounds lazy, maybe. And it definitely sounds painful. <laughs> it definitely sounds painful to me. But I was compelled to read it. 
I was compelled to read it probably by the spirit of the Lord. Um, because I've personally been in a season where I knew that that calming down my hurry a little bit was really important for me. And so I read this book. So we're going to be talking a lot from this book in this series. So if you would like to check it out, that would be awesome. And we're also going to give you guys a few other reference books that we've used along with the scriptures, the stories of Jesus um, to kind of mold our framework um, in this series because it's taken from a lot of different things. So I'm going to quickly give you guys those reference books. Um, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. The Book of Waking Up by Seth Haynes. Falling Upwards by Richard Rohr. The Liturgy of the Ordinary by Tish Harrison Warren, which I know the Ladies Bible Study has been going through right now, so we are right on track with you guys. And then Now I See by Zach Elliott. So those are kind of the five books that we've um, borrowed from, um, along with our own learning and experiences and scriptures and teachings of Jesus. So from that place, we want to kind of frame this conversation, frame this conversation of awake um, by comparing and contrasting two different ways of living. So we're going to talk about the sleeping way, and we're going to talk about the waking way. Sleeping way and the waking way. So let's talk first about the sleeping way. You guys, I'm so excited. I'm bringing back the whiteboard today. I don't know how it's going to translate on camera, but I'm excited. So that's one of us. All right. The sleeping way. Also, for those of you who may have not been tuning into Element before at such time as this, um, my handwriting is really messy and I don't know why I use a whiteboard, but it helps me keep my brain focused. So excuse the messiness. All right. The sleeping way. Here's the truth, guys. Our culture has come to a frenzied pace of hurry, right? We've already talked about hurry this morning. Culture has come to a frenzied pace. I don't think any of us can deny it, except for right now, but like, we'll come back to that. Overall, the culture has come to a frenzied pace of hurry. And because of that hurry, it leads us to overwhelm and exhaustion, right? Overwhelm and exhaustion. And we feel overwhelmed and exhausted because we're so hurried, but we don't know how to slow down our hurry in this pace, right? So we do what the only other thing that we know to do when we're so overwhelmed and so exhausted and we can't slow down our hurry, we numb. We numb, right? We take the edge off. We kind of close our eyes to the reality of how tired and exhausted and overwhelmed we are, and we lose ourselves in Netflix or eating, or exercise, or substances, or whatever we can find to help us get through and, and get enough energy going to hurry up again tomorrow, right? And so this numbing that we do turns into coping mechanisms, right? Coping mechanisms, which is more than just numbing. It's literally our way of getting through the day, the week, the month, the year, our lives, right? And we figure out how to just keep going. More caffeine and more energy drinks and another big trip to be excited about and another party to go to and another trip to the mall to buy something to make ourselves feel better. Like whatever it is we have to do to keep ourselves going, we can't slow the hurry, so we deal with it in another way, in the way that we can. And we cope, right? And this leads to us being asleep. Asleep. We're alive, but we're not awake, really right? We're not awake 
to the reality of who we are because we're so numbed out that we're not fully awake. We're missing deep experiences of joy and peace and love, right? And we're stressed and we're tired and we're burnt out and we're exhausted and we're just too desensitized and busy to even care, right? That is um, the, the sleeping way. Uh, in the burnout society, Jung Chul Han says, they are too alive to die and too dead to live. They're too alive to die and too dead to live. And that is the sleeping way. And we kind of turn blind eyes to the full effect of it most of the time. But the reality is that we know this is how most, most of our culture exists. This is how most of our culture exists most of the time. Now, those of us who have chosen the Jesus way, we're aware that there's another way, right? We're at least aware of it. We're at least aware that there's another way that for this conversation, we're going to call the waking way, the waking way. And we know that this way exists because it's the way of Jesus. It's the way of Jesus. So, Let's think about that for a moment. Jesus came, like we talked about in our Road to the Cross series, Jesus came to invite us to rise again, right? To live awake. And he modeled the life of the waking way. He modeled it for us, right? And so for the purposes of our conversation, the waking way starts with slowing. Slowing and stillness stillness. We've talked about stillness here before, and we'll, we'll talk about it again during this series. Slowing and stillness, right? And when we do that, when we begin with that waking way of slowing and stillness, it leads us to awareness. Awareness, right? We become aware of lots of things that usually we're too numb and exhausted to notice right? We begin to see the world for what it is, ourselves for who we are, God for who he is. And so because of that awareness that we find when we slow, we choose simplicity. Simplicity. Now, that's a core value here at Element. We've talked a lot about it before, We'll talk a lot about it again. We know that it's important. We know that simplicity is part of the way of Jesus. Like, we can't deny that. And we practice simplicity in a lot of ways. But we also find ourselves over here a lot of the time, right? So maybe there's some pieces of simplicity that we still have yet to learn, right? In the waking way, from this place of simplicity, we find flourishing that comes from spiritual practices and what we're going to talk about as sacraments. Sacraments. Now, I don't just mean baptism and communion when I when I talk about sacraments. I I mean gathering as a community. I mean gathering as house churches. I mean prayer and worship and reading of the scriptures. I mean going out into the creative a created world and looking at the beauty that God has created and marveling in it. That's a sacrament, right? I mean gathering with good friends around a table of good food and good conversation. I mean watching football or riding horses or playing an instrument or flourishing in your work. 
those can all be sacraments, actually. Because if we choose an activity from this way and this space, and the purpose of that activity is for our flourishing and the flourishing of others and the glory of God, then that activity is full of sacramental purpose, right? It points us towards the creator, the father. Now let that sink in a minute. We're going to come back to that conversation in a couple weeks. And I can't wait to learn more about coping mechanisms and numbing versus sacraments. Um, It's really big, guys. It's a really big and important conversation. It's a really huge paradigm shift that we can make. Because the reasons why and the energy behind us doing things changes how it affects us, right? So next week, Brett is going to come and he's going to talk to us some about coping mechanisms and numbing and this conversation. And it's going to be really important. So don't miss it, okay? But living this way, the way of slowing and simplicity and sacraments, allows us to live awake. Awake. Because this is the waking way. Now, that's what we want, right? Like, that's how we want to live. (laughs) And we long for it because we're created to live that way. But the world we live in kind of can make it feel impossible to live that way sometimes, right? And even those of us who are awake and aware of all of these things have to constantly fight against hurry and numbing and coping. Constantly fight against it, right? You know, I've worked really hard to find myself living in the waking way. I really have over the last few years. I've read books and I've engaged in all of the practices of stillness and solitude and silence and reading and worship and prayer, all of it, right? And I have chosen sacraments over coping mechanisms. I've chosen it again and again. And I've fallen on my face before Jesus asking him for this waking way. I have and I will. But I'm realizing a truth over the last few months that I haven't been quite ready to accept about this. And that is that I cannot brush past This one little issue of hurry. Hurry. John Mark Comer puts it pretty well in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, when he says, If we want to live a life like Jesus, we need to live a lifestyle like Jesus. Many of us want the life without the lifestyle. Now put that in your pocket and hold on to it because we're going to come back to that in a couple weeks. Benjamin has an amazing, outstanding message that's going to really help us to understand what we mean by that. Because it's kind of a really, really important piece to being able to live in this waking way. We want the life of Jesus. We need to have the lifestyle of Jesus, right? Jesus came to be the example of the waking way, of the flourishing life, right? How often do we see Jesus hurry? in the scriptures like never (laughs) we never see him hurry never he doesn't hurry when the storm is coming on the sea of galilee he just sails right out into it and calms the seas he doesn't hurry when the people are begging him for healing he stays and he heals them and he grants the request for mercy and then he goes off into the hills to pray and to rest He does not hurry when God asks him to go to the wilderness to prepare for his ministry. He goes out there for 40 days and 40 nights. 
does not hurry that process, right? He doesn't hurry when his dear friend Lazarus is dying. They come to him and they say, you have to come now. Lazarus is dying. Jesus waits for days before he goes to Lazarus, who is dead. And he doesn't hurry when he's about to be crucified. He goes for a leisurely dinner with his friends for a long time of prayer in the garden. He does not hurry. Now, as someone who hurries a lot, it's hard for me to say, right? It's hard for me to teach because I'm not so great at it. And it's hard for me to look that reality in the face and say, I'm trying to live this way over here, all of these things, right? But I'm not taking this piece out of my life. And if I'm not taking this piece out of my life, this, this is the number one piece of the sleeping way, right? It's, it doesn't work like that very well, right? So we've got to look at it. We've got to look at this issue of hurry, hurry. We've got to see it. We've got to engage the conversation. We've got to assess our own lives and look at what we're doing with them. Really look at it, right? Because we can't live over here while also adopting the practices of over here, right? The problem is that we don't know how to stop. We don't know how to stop hurrying, right? The pace of our world up until a few weeks ago was not slowing down. Here's what's so hugely amazing in this very moment is that it, it has. The pace of our world has changed for a brief time right now, right? We are literally in the midst of a great pause great pause. A great pause in the hurrying and a great pause in the numbing and the coping. Now, that looks a little bit different for each of us, right? Overall, life as we know it has kind of shut down, right? There's a global pandemic and it's taken us out of many things. It's taken us out of school, out of church, out of social uh, plans with our friends. It's taken us out of travel, out of parties and date nights and trips and sporting events and shows and conferences and the list could go on, right? We have all know really important things that have been canceled in our lives, right? Now, some of us might feel less hurried in this new space of life. And some of us, like me, might feel more hurried, okay? My life has not slowed down uh, due to the pandemic. It has it's gotten more full. But it's different, right? Even if you are still really busy, I think we can all say it's a different busy right now, right? We're not all in the same boat when it comes to the workload, but we are all in the same boat when it comes to the disruption. We have been disrupted. And the other thing that we're all in the same boat about is that our numbing and our coping mechanisms have all been disrupted, have all been changed. And many of them have just been ripped right away, just ripped away, right? Now, we still have Facebook and Netflix, so not all of our coping mechanisms have been ripped away, but a lot of them have, right? A lot of them have. And so we are in this pause right now of disruption. And if there was ever a chance to awaken and to see our hurry and our numbing and our coping mechanisms for what they are, like it's now. It's now. This is the time. What more perfect time? could there be, right? Because, and this is, it's not just in the good way, it's also in the not good way. Like it's the perfect time because we're all slowed down and disrupted, but it's also the perfect time because you guys, as soon as 
possible. This world is going to come at us with billions of dollars telling us to get right back into every old habit that we already had. Every single one, right? Imagine the assault on your inbox and your social media and in your eyes as you watch the TV. Like there will be an assault telling us, come back to shopping, come back to eating, come back to traveling, come back to all of these things that we have paused for now. And not that those any of those things are bad, right? We're going to talk more about sacraments. Not that any of those things are bad, but coming back to them in the same way won't lead us to the waking way, right? And we are about to get an assault, trying to bring us back into all of those behaviors, all of that numbing, all of those coping mechanisms. But there's a better way. And right now, before that assault comes, is the time that we can choose it. We can choose it. What if we choose not to miss this moment? this moment? What if we choose to wake up to our hurry and wake up to our numbing and wake up to our coping mechanisms and then resist the pull to go back to them when this is all over? What if we resist that pull? If we do, I think we're going to look more like Jesus than ever before. I think we are. I think it's possible. I think that's a gift that God is wanting to give us right now. In the midst of many things that are very, very hard, legitimately very hard, there is a gift here for us, for the world, to wake to these things and to resist the pull to go back to them, right? So let's engage this together. It is worth it, okay? It's the waking way. It's the Jesus way. And in the midst of the great pause, we have a chance to allow this disruption to shift us more towards the waking way. So I'm going to read this passage in 1 Thessalonians from the message because it is very beautifully written. So listen to this. It says, but friends, you're not in the dark. So how could you be taken off guard by any of this? You're sons of light, daughters of day. We live under wide open skies and know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life like those others. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. Since we're creatures of the day, let's act like it. Walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith, love, and the hope of salvation. God didn't set us up for an angry rejection, but for salvation by our master, Jesus Christ. He died for us, a death that triggered life. Whether we're awake with the living or asleep with the dead, we're alive with him. So speak encouraging words to each other. Build up hope so that you'll all be together in this. No one left out. No one left behind. I know you're already doing this. Just keep on doing it. I love the way that that's phrased. I love the exhortation that it is and also the encouragement. I know you're already doing this. Keep on doing it. And that's what I would say to you, Element. You are already doing this. We have already had some of these conversations. But let's allow this disruption to shift us more towards the waking way. This is a chance. This is an opportunity. This is an invitation from our Father. Let's keep doing it, okay? So in our last few minutes together today, we're going to talk just a little bit more about hurry because it's kind of the linchpin of the whole thing, okay? We can't skip past it. I'm telling myself this all the time. Um, if we try and skip past it and just like cut out the rest of it, 
we're just kind of left confused and that doesn't work very well. Believe me, I know I've been there. So let's talk about hurry. Is it really that bad? Like, does it really do damage? Does it really set us on the path of the sleeping way? Like, is, is this really the number one, like, step on the path? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is, you guys. John Mark Comer says, hurry is a form of violence on the soul. Violence on the soul. When I first started listening to this book, uh, listening, I do it on Audible. It was extremely convicting. Like I had to go back and listen to the first couple chapters multiple times because it did make me mad and it did make me feel like this guy is blowing things out of proportion. But the more I listened to it, the more I knew it's the truth. It, it is the truth. Hurry is a form of violence on the soul. He quotes Dallas Willard, who is really the inspiration for a lot of what he teaches in this book. And Dallas Willard says, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. I had to like sit with that for a while. Like the great enemy of the spiritual life is hurry. Like I could think of a lot of things that might sound like a worse enemy than hurry. But if you really sit with it, if you really think about it, there's a lot of truth to it. A lot. Ronald Rollheiser puts it this way. This is a longer quote, but it's worth it. Today, a number of historical circumstances are blindly flowing together and accidentally conspiring to produce a climate within which it is difficult not just to think about God or to pray, but to simply have any interior depth whatsoever. We, for every kind of reason, good and bad, are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. It is not that we have anything against God or depth or spirit. We would like these. It is just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up on our radar screens. We are more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual, and more interested in the movie theater, the sports stadium, and the shopping mall, and the fantasy life that they produce in us than we are in church. Pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual lives. Pathological busyness. Oh, I don't like the sound of that at all. Think about this. I feel like I feel like this this statement I'm about to make is true for me. He makes it in this book too. All of my worst moments are when I'm in a hurry. Think about that for a minute. All of my worst moments are when I am in a hurry. If I'm trying to show love someone love to someone while also being in a hurry, that basically never works out very well, right? Think about it. How well does it work out when you're late getting the kids to school? Back in the day when we took kids to school. How well does it work out when you're late? Or how well does it work out when you're behind on a work deadline? Or how well does it work out when you're stuck in traffic? Or how well does it work out now when you're homeschooling your children? Yep, hurry's not not a friend of that. (laughs) How well does it work out when you're multitasking getting dinner on the table and managing three text conversations and talking on the phone and overseeing homework and getting ready to get out the door for whatever the evening activity is. Like, those are probably my worst times, guys. I'm going to be honest. I'm probably not the only one, right? It does not work for me. It does not work for me. 
those are not the moments when I'm my best self where I can show love to my family and to the people around me. Those are the moments of my worst self, the moments of hurry. And the saddest thing, the saddest thing about this hurry situation is that we're all in such a hurry to get through our day just so that we can go numb, (laughs) just so that we can go cope, right? And that's so sad. Like we're just, we're trying to hurry up and numb so we can go check out and go veg out on the couch and watch Tiger King. Like not to slam that particular form of numbing, but if we were living fully awake, then Tiger King would break every single piece of our hearts. It would break every single piece of our hearts, right? This is why we hurry. This is why we hurry, so that we can numb, so that we can cope. And that is heartbreaking and devastating and not the heart of the Father for any of us, I am certain. Hurry, the great enemy of the spiritual life. We cannot hurry love. We cannot hurry the love of God. We quoted a book not too long ago called The Three Mile an Hour God. And it talks about love having a speed, the speed of walking. Jesus never ran anywhere, I don't think. The speed of walking, right? Slow, steady, and present. Present. John Mark Homer writes, All the great wisdom traditions of history, religious and secular, Eastern and Western, Christian and not, have come together on one point. If there is a formula for a happy life, it's quite simple. Inhabit the moment. If there is a formula for a happy life, it's quite simple. Inhabit the moment. Love and joy and peace are all incompatible with hurry. Think about it. It's true. Love and joy and peace, the greatest gifts that Christ came to bring us besides redemption itself, are incompatible with hurry. We hurry right past love and joy and peace so we can get to Netflix. And that is sad. And there is a better way to live. So there are 10 symptoms of hurry sickness. And we're not going to have time to unpack them today, but I'm going to list them for you real quickly in case you're not convinced there's a problem for you or us as a general society 10 symptoms of hurry sickness are irritability hypersensitivity restlessness workaholism emotional numbness out of order priorities lack of care for your body escapist behaviors Slippage of spiritual disciplines and isolation. Now, I don't have time to go any of those, go into any of those today. But if we are honest with ourselves, church, we know that we wrestle with those things. We know that we do. We know that we are not immune to those things, even if we are somewhat shifted into the waking way. This is the fight of our culture. It's the fight of our culture to work against these things so that we can live awake, so that we can live a flourishing life, the Jesus way, the waking way, right? We're not immune, but we are paused. We are disrupted right now. And from this place, we can choose something 
different. Because Jesus longs for us to live the waking way, we are created to live the waking way. Benjamin King, come up. We're going to finish with a really beautiful song about slowing and presence. But I'm going to read the words of Jesus from Matthew as translated in the message. Jesus says, are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. He says, walk with me. Love has a speed. Slow, unhurried speed. And then he says, work with me. This is not effortless. It will take work. But he talks about a real rest. He talks about unforced rhythms of grace. And he talks about living freely and lightly. And I know that this is what we long for. I know we all long for this. And it's what Jesus came to teach us. And it's what Jesus came to model to us, the waking way. So we're at this crossroads of this waiting for the return to normal. And personally, I don't want to return to normal. I want to slow down and I want to wake up. Because there is joy and hope and peace and love here in the wide open spaces. And we have slowed down enough to taste this before and right now. So my prayer, my encouragement to all of us is that we allow the disruption to shift us closer and closer towards the waking way. And as we look to Jesus, he's going to show us the way. Yeah. So let's pray. God, we thank you for your presence today and for this challenging truth. God, it's, it's hard for me to say it. It's hard for me to teach it. It's hard for me to know that it's the truth because... I'm really not too good at it, but you are patient <laughs> and you are the example of it. And the closer that I choose to lean into you, the easier this becomes. And so God, I pray that this time of disruption and this time of change and this time of pausing will draw us towards you. Because this waking way is not a thing that we force. It's a thing that we allow. So I pray that we will allow it today. Allow your presence today. Allow your teaching today. Allow your conviction and your guidance and your spirit to draw us towards you. To wake us up. And to let us inhabit the moment. Because in the moment there is peace. And there is hope. And there is joy. And there is love. Let us know that it is true today, Jesus. In your name we pray.